some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Follow Barroom Network at Barroom Network for all the Bears offseason coverage you need. And follow me at The Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed on social media as well. We're live on YouTube right now. Feel free to chime in if you're watching live. Uh, I know the barflies are here and ready to be heard in the comments section. If you missed any of our previous episodes, they're up on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes for the audio-only versions. Remember, like, subscribe, tell a friend or two or several. Ross, how you doing post-Super Bowl with his grungy Nirvana shirt? I dig it. Smells like Teen Spirit. Smells like Teen Spirit, yes. Is that probably one of the top 25 songs in the last... 30, 40 years. Ooh, we gotta make Certainly a list. one of the most iconic, right? Gotta make a list. Well, we talked about did Fast Car come out in 25, 30 years? Yes, Fast Car is yeah. on the list as well. That's well, probably on the list too. We gotta yeah. make our own list, my man. That'd be a That's... nice list. We got we got some time down the off season. We should we well, should we certainly do <laughs> put our list together of the top 25 to 30 songs we think are all uh, our best of all time in the at least in the last 20, 30 years. Sure. Nirvana, even though uh, short lived, obviously. Yes. I wonder if the TikTokers know about Nirvana at this yes. point. I'm surprised with all the biopic craze that nobody has done a Kurt Cobain biopic. I'm sure it'll come soon enough. Courtney Love will sign off on it. No, yeah. no you get, get the guy that played Dahmer and American Horror Story would be Kurt Cobain, right? Oh, yeah, Evan Peters. I would, uh, I would enjoy that. That's a, yeah. that's a good call, Ross. <laughs> I co-signed that. A lot to get to on the show today. All that aside, we're recapping the Super Bowl at length uh, as the Chiefs come out victorious and what to think of the 49ers and that loss and the legacy of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and company. Uh, of course, talk about Usher and an electric halftime show. And then what we're doing, of course, Bears offseason moves we'll touch on as well. Uh, and then, of course, the hype about the stadium, we didn't even talk about the Sox Stadium, get Ross's thoughts on that, uh, the potential of that uh, in moving. And then, man, NBA All-Star Weekend's already here this weekend. We'll talk about the lineup for the dunk contest. Uh, beyond that, three-point shootout, uh, surprises along the way, the Super Bowl commercials. Lots of fun to be had in this next hour. But to begin, of course, let's recap the Super Bowl. It uh, was uh, a pretty great one in that second half if you don't like a, a defensive battle in the first half i can understand people you know calling it a dud but you kind of thought it was going to be a chess match and uh as ross alluded to you you kind of want to bet the under throughout and, and it came very close to hitting the over even with overtime just by uh the damn extra point right ross sure. and uh and so you know in that first half not a not a ton of action you know san francisco uh, you know, looking like the better team in the first half and even in the second half going into overtime, it was just, just really about the teams outlasting each other. But the final, uh, obviously 25, 22 into overtime as the chiefs, you know, raised the, the trophy for the second year in a row. And, uh, you know, the chiefs we've seen what a great team they, they are throughout this, uh, throughout the season and throughout the Super Bowl, of course, once again. Uh, and Mahomes really making those big plays when they needed them the most, as far as the big plays with his arm, uh, his feet led the team in rushing. 49ers kept uh, Isaiah Pacheco mostly in check. And then, you know, Travis Kelsey had that rough first half. We saw a lot of the, the headlines, and still, it's a bad look when you're getting yelling in Andy Reid's face like he did. Uh, I know he was heated after the, being taken out of that play where 
he should have been in blocking. There was a fumble on the play. He's getting pissed, you know, throughout the, um, you know, the down half that the Chiefs had in that first half. But then second half, the top dog was Mahomes. And same deal as all season. Otherwise, you know, whoever he's throwing to, whether it be Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, uh, Watson, Pacheco out there getting some catches when it mattered. Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling barely covering his prop bet of, you know, 19 and a half yards and getting a touchdown to boot. Uh, the game winner, it was fitting. It went to McCall Hardman after not starting the season with the team. It was awesome. He gets uh, another ring. Um, and defenses, you know, it, they were really grinding out in the first half. I think the Niners just got certainly worn out toward the second half and into uh, overtime, of course, Trey, uh, Trey Greenlaw going down was big. There were a couple injuries throughout that game where it really hurt the 49ers. Uh, you know, Kittle almost looked like he had separated his shoulder at some point, but he came back to, to really uh, thug it out, as it were. Um, but Steve Spagnuolo, you got to give a lot of credit to him. I, I mean, for me, to see him and the effect he has on that Chiefs defense when you compare to 49ers where it's a lot of blue-chip talent, which Ross always talks about, uh, you know, you want to build your your football team around credit to Steve Spagnuolo shutting down the best offense in the league with his squad of mostly, you know, non pro pro bowlers. It's just solid guys who come from that chiefs draft pool, <clears throat> like Nick Bolton and Trek McDuffie and George Karloftis. Uh, they're not flashy but they, and they didn't get a ton of pressure on Brock Purdy or forced turnovers, but they held him to 22 points, including the overtime, you know, when uh, the 49ers were top five in the league in scoring uh, it's a big showing on the biggest stage, so it was really uh, impressive to see. And shout out to the kickers, Moody and Butker, making those fifty-plus yarders look easy. Uh, that Moody extra point was was certainly a big difference maker. He had huge implications uh, into the second half and into overtime. Uh, talked a lot, but Ross, you know your impressions of that game. Yeah, I mean. You know, we kind of talked about last week, this game was going to be a lot of a feeling out process early on. And that's what it was. You had two uh, very good football teams, two outstanding coaches go head to head at each other. So it was a lot of it was a chess match. I thought the 49ers played well in the first half. Um, they were able, you know, defensively, they were able to keep Mahomes and that offense at bay for the most part. Um, and, and then, you know, to me, you know, in the second half, there were, uh, a few miscues, you know, obviously the, um, the, the, the fumble, uh, you know, that, that on the punt return, the, the muff kick, so to speak, where it touches the player was a humongous play. The missed uh, extra point, as you alluded to, was a huge play because then all of a sudden Pat Mahomes only needs three points to tie the game and, and instead of yeah. the, the, the touchdown to get the go-ahead win. Um, but ultimately, in my opinion, this goes back to, you know, we have to have a Kyle Shanahan conversation. Um, and, and this is now his third Super Bowl, two as a head coach and one as an offensive coordinator, where he continuously goes for these kill shots in the second half by trying to pass the football when the running game is right there. And even at the very least, the quick pass is right there. And you want to be able to continue to salt this game away, keep your defense on the sidelines and try and extend these drives as long as possible. And I thought that he did the opposite of that in the second half. And he was really... Uh, trying to go for the kill and trying to prove people that his offense was uh, superior to Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, I thought it backfired in my opinion. I thought, yeah. um, like like Cliff is alluding to in the comments, I thought they got away from uh, Christian McCaffrey in the first half and in the second half. Uh, you know, he did end up with a great game through the air. Uh, but even then, I thought, um, you know, you, you just didn't get him enough touches in the second half. And um, that's that's a Kyle Shanahan special at this point. That's how they lost the Super Bowl the last time they played against the Chiefs, where he had a 10-point lead with under 10 minutes left in the football game. That's how he lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots when it was 25 to 28 to 3, excuse me. Um, and, and he allowed them to come back. So this is a Kyle Shanahan situation. He fired Steve Wilkes. He puts the blame at Steve Wilkes. I thought the 49ers defense played outstanding for most of that game. If you go into the end of the fourth quarter and into – the overtime and you've been able to keep Pat Mahomes under 20 points. I think you've done your job. And, and so um, I, I put a lot of this blame on, on Kyle Shanahan. He didn't even know. He says he did. We don't know if he knows the rules to the overtime. You know, they, they, they should have went second because you want to know the points that you need to get on that drive. You know, me personally, you're looking at a fourth and four situation I think I I would have went for that because that guy over there is Pat Mahomes. He's going to get the touchdown. 
I promise you he's going to get the touchdown. The way he's been rolling in the fourth quarter and the way your defense is tired, especially without Greenlaw on the field, he's going to get it. I wouldn't have went for that fourth and four and, and not kick the field goal. So I, a lot of it to me was on Kyle Shanahan. But overall, it was a good game. It was a fun game. I know a lot of people saying it was boring for a lot of you know three quarters. That's football. That's, that's just a, a good old-fashioned chess match between two teams. Eventually in the fourth quarter, we got a lot more action once we got uh, the – the Jesus commercials and Scientology commercial out the way. <laughs> Jesus commercials uh, coming in hot, real, real quick to start. And, and Timu, uh, <laughs> Jesus had the much money for commercials. That's what I said, man. The church is banking these days. Uh, it, it's it's like you were alluding to. It feels like the the story is more just the 49ers giving away the Super Bowl rather than the Chiefs winning it. When we should be talking more about the Chiefs dynasty and about them winning back to back Super Bowls and and Mahomes is legacy and chasing Brady and Andy Reid's place and, you know, the coaching Mount Rushmore, but the 49ers, uh, as you said, just to me, it felt like as great as Christian McCaffrey is, and, and they could have been run, running to him a lot more, obviously, you know, we had 80 catches or, or 80 yards with, on eight catches and a touchdown. Um, and the second half got going a bit more as far as rushing or less so uh, than the first half, but it was the receivers that, weren't able to to get any breathing room on the Chiefs secondary. And you look at Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel and, of course, George Kittle had two catches for four yards. Like, that's unacceptable from this offense. And uh, it, it, it directly points to a large reason why you lost this. I, I mean, I get it that these guys were getting a lot of the attention. It created some more space for a guy like Juwan Jennings to, to make his name uh, heard in, in that offense. But... It was uh it was kind of a choke job as far as Kyle Shanahan is concerned, and then it's uh you know you you heard the mic'd up after the the game went final and later this week as far as the Chiefs players reacting to the 49ers making that decision to ultimately take the ball first and didn't know the rules and know it was just you know you the other team gets that opportunity to score again they didn't know that rules had changed like Kyle Juszczyk had said um in his mic'd up moment too it's just inexcusable and it's. It's tough, man. Like uh, to see, you know, these guys like Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and guys who have uh, those are, you know, guys. As far as McCaffrey and Purdy, guys who have first first time being there, but Kittle and and the vets like Trent Williams who have just grinded away and been so consistent and and great for this team and part of the the core of this 49ers team for them to come up short again, uh, it just haunts you and you wonder if they can get back to this again they're certainly built like it like look at last year how great they were on offense before this this last super bowl um and coming up to a short against the eagles you'd figure they could be right back in the nfc against you know the lions or whoever you put up there against them um again but it, it was a, a choke job but it just also just speaks volumes of how andy Reid makes those adjustments and how this chiefs team just knows how to finish games um, and, and just, again, that missed extra point and just little bounces that little turnovers, things like that. The, the fumbles were huge, just momentum swings. It was, uh, impressive for Kansas city, but yeah, again, just really more so about 49ers and where do they go from here with another tough loss like this? Yeah. And, and you look at the odds for next year, they're already the favorites to win 2025 Super Bowl, And, and that is a testament to, how good their roster is, but I do want to push it into a different conversation, which is, you know, Pat Mahomes now has solidified himself as a top three quarterback of all time. This guy's not even 30 years old. And yeah. he put his team on his back in that fourth quarter in overtime, like superstar Hall of Fame legends do. And, and to me, you have to start looking as a whole at the NFL because you are in the midst of a potential dynasty now. Because there is a possibility that this can continue on for a long time. Andy Reid's not going anywhere. Pat Mahomes is not going anywhere. They're going to be able to retool. They didn't have good receivers this year, and they still won a Super Bowl. Everybody thought this team was dead to rights seven, eight weeks ago. But when you have the best quarterback in the league, the best player in the league, you're always in it, and you're always a threat to win the Super Bowl. And so now, if you're the 49ers, you have to – you know. and look, I think Brock Purdy played good on Sunday, but good is not going to beat hall of fame. And so you have to really start looking at your soup, your, your quarterback situation, because you notice in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter, when Spagnola really dialed up the, 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 the heat and he played cover zero and he was blitzing and really sending the heat, 
Brock Purdy doesn't have the arm angle. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the athleticism and the wherewithal to be able to get the ball out quickly or make the plays and to adjust. And I think that there were limitations there that we saw at the end of the game as the 49ers were not able to ice it. And on the flip side, Pat Mahomes is the exact guy that you want in that situation. So, you know, when you do start looking forward next five, 10 years, because Pat Mahomes is going to be around for that long time, you have to start thinking we need to get elite quarterback play to be able to beat this guy consistently uh, in the Super Bowl or else he could rattle off. You know, he's he's on, he's in the in the stretch right now of having one of the best 10 year starts to an NFL career, especially for a quarterback. You know, yeah. and the likes of what we've seen from Montana and Brady. And, you know, and so you have to start thinking, what do we do or what kind of quarterback can we get to at least come close to matching his level? Because the team building thing, um, it, it works, but not year in, year out to be able to consistently knock this guy off. And again, that is no knock to Brock Purdy. I thought he played well. You could just tell at the end of that game, one guy's going in Canton. The other guy is just a really cool story for the moment. Yeah, and you look at the competition directly uh, to him, and the names that pop up are, are Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or a Joe Burrow. And, you know, maybe of those three guys, I feel like I have the most faith in a Joe Burrow, and he just mm-hmm. got a, a raw deal this last year because of the injury. Uh, I think he comes back strong this next year. Maybe get a comeback player of the year award, something like that, and can mm-hmm. – Vault himself back in the AFC Championship. Uh, the Bengals just had a tough down year again, and, and he got some faith in that organization. But w- when you look at Mahomes' performance and, and you know willing that the Chiefs team to, to win in overtime, it's just no doubt that this is in the midst of a dynasty that's uh, you know really on par with what, as you said, Brady and, and Montana did. And you, you liken it to Brady because you know he led a team uh, twenty years ago where it was the last team to go to back-to-back Super Bowls like they did. And Andy Reid certainly should get his flowers, too. You know, all the other greats that are on the coaching Mount Rushmore, um, 20 years, again, since the last back-to-back Super Bowl. It's so hard, especially now with the parity in the league, to to do what they did. They did it their way. And Mahomes, I, I agree with you. that He's on track to really push Brady in all of his records and just be that best quarterback of all time. And it's still in just a... Uh, such a, a young career, super impressive for a dude with a dad bod. And we saw in that Netflix series, just the unique training really pays off. And Mahomes is just always on the biggest stage these days. You know, on to, on to Reed, I guess, you know, you t- you put Mahomes in that top three. Is Andy Reed like top three, top two at this point? He has to be. I mean, you know, you sure. still put Bill Belichick number one, but I think Andy Reed has to be in that top three right now because – of what he's been able to do, you know, he had a, a lot of success, obviously, in Philadelphia. They ran him out of town. That, that turned into the post-McNabb and Vic years. And he had guys like Kevin Cobb out there and stuff like that. But, you know, what he's been able to do with Pat Mahomes in Kansas City and maximize Pat's talent, which I think is, you know, it's a it's a subject that we talk about a lot as Bears fans, is what, quarter, what coach can you get to maximize your quarterback's talent? And he turned – uh, he helped turn Travis Kelsey into a superstar, a Hall of Fame player. But his most remarkable coaching has been, I think people forget, I don't know if they forget, but they traded Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is also a future, a future Hall of Fame wide receiver. And he's a top three wide receiver in the league. And they trade him away and they won two more rings after that. That is just absolutely impressive. I fully expect for the Chiefs to go out in this offseason and find themselves like a T Higgins or, or, or one of those big name wide receivers and really just go score earth on the league and do one of those like Brady to Moss type of seasons, you know? So I, but yes, you know, Andy Reid is not going to, there's only 44 wins right now behind Bill Belichick for, for uh, you know, who's knocking on the door of, of the most of all time. He's behind Don Shula. And remember Bill Belichick obviously is sitting out this season. So by the time the, the 2025 season starts, Andy Reid could be, you know, close to 20 wins behind Bill Belichick. So he could finish theoretically, uh, you know, as long as he he's lashes himself to Pat Mahomes, at the very least, the second uh, winningest coach of all time, which is, I think is just really impressive. Sorry, distracted by children screaming upstairs. Uh, oh. As it were, in, in the basement down here, um, 
I do like the the narrative of these two teams, though, and and you figure that might kick off the season this next year. I mean, the schedule's already released, but they, I hope that these two teams meet up in this next season um, because it is just you know you as much as you think that the 49ers just it'd be so hard to get back to this level, and and you feel like there's a lot of moving parts where you might want to break up part of the band that you you could certainly try to run it back as best as you can. I mean as tough a, a beat as, as Kyle Shanahan took and he takes a lot of that blame. He still is one of those top young offensive minds out there. And, and you, you know, you, you fail and fail and then you succeed. Uh, you got to learn from your mistakes. It's the greatest learning experience that you can have, uh, especially in that one. It's just brutal to see uh, chiefs obviously celebrating in their, their parade, obviously in Vegas, which was nuts, as we saw in the clubs. And Jason Kelsey was in tow with Travis Kelsey wearing his luchador mask. But uh, hopefully everybody in, in KC stayed safe besides the, you know, the crazy shooting that went down, which was uh, pretty unheard of. Just really put a damper on the day. Uh, other than that, it looked like a, a hell of a time. It did. It did. And, you know, credit to that fan base. They're awesome. I, I had the pleasure of being there early in the season to see the Bears get absolutely demolished. But in the midst of all that was, you know, me being able to um, be in an awesome stadium, in a football stadium, around good, knowledgeable football people in the heartland of the United States. So if, if there isn't a more there, – there isn't a more deserving fan base to be able to have this kind of sustainable success right now than the Kansas City Chiefs. They, they remind me a lot of the Chicago Bears in that, you know, before they got their their Pat Mahomes, they struggled through a lot of, of lean years. You know, there there was a lot of, of, of Elvis Gerbach and, and, you know, even the, in the Priest Holmes days when they were close but not quite there, you know, they, they, they predicated themselves early on on defense. You know, rest in peace, Derek Thomas, who's a Hall of Fame uh, player, outstanding player as well. They even had the corpse of Joe Montana try and, and, and bring them to a Super Bowl at some point as well. So, you know, those guys deserve this. And, you know, we we now hope that here in Chicago we can uh, get to that level. And, and, and they kind of show us that there is hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel. And one day that could be us as Bears fans. Uh, yeah, that's that's certainly the hope. But uh, yeah, I agree with you that the Chiefs fans are, are a good fan base. They got the the Midwestern values and and you know suffered through a, a, the lean years as you mentioned. It felt like forever since obviously that that first Super Bowl meeting, Green Bay in the very first Super Bowl, and I think Mahomes should have smoked a cigarette and had a Coke at uh, at uh, halftime as well, and then gone back out there. I'm sure they'll someone has photoshopped that somewhere. Um, you know, the game aside, the halftime show has to be talked about, Ross. It was electric. Uh, you know, Usher, you knew that there was going to be a, a, a crazy effort from him to put on one of the best shows we've seen as far as a halftime show is concerned. And, and I, you know, dare I say, it seemed like the GOAT Super Bowl performer. I, you know, we've had a pretty good last few years, you know, Rihanna and then the whole West Coast hip hop. Uh, thing as far as Dr. Dre and Snoop is concerned and Kendrick, that was great. Uh, but this was mostly all Usher. Obviously, there were features like Alicia Keys coming out and then Jermaine Dupree looking like the Penguin and, of course, Ludacris and Little John for Yeah. But, you know, Usher just has so many hits. And, and you know, we talked about, I think you saw his residency um, in Vegas and just the showcase of hits, otherworldly dance moves, just the whole package of an entertainer probably the greatest one we've seen uh, with those talents since Michael Jackson, the whole production was so fun and seamless. Didn't seem like there were really any hiccups uh, besides Alicia Keys, little, uh little squeak, uh, which, you know, again, wasn't even on Usher at that point, but the roller skate and Ross, it was, he's just such a talent. It's hard to top it uh, next year in new Orleans. What'd you think? Is it your goat halftime show? As you know, he's my favorite artist of all time. I saw him in Vegas twice, residency. I've seen him in concert multiple times. I, I feel like if you were um, from age 35 to 45, this was like in your wheelhouse of like when you really grew up as a, as a human being and, and as a person. Uh, and, and that was the music that you were listening to. But I think he did a, he did a great job. I, I, you know, to me, the Super Bowl at this point has become less about the actual performance and more about the spectacle and what's going around the action. A lot of times these people are barely 
singing or barely they don't even let you play instruments anymore we saw her come out with electric guitar she's an amazing electric guitarist but she wasn't allowed to play so that was literally a, a tr you know a track that she had recorded earlier and so there's a lot of that going on now but i think that he did um an amazing job with the 13 minutes that he was allotted you know with all his hits and stuff like that um you know minutes. 13 minutes. And, and that's the thing is when you have a guy like Usher who has, you know, 20 number one hits and 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 he's got countless, he's got an album that's gone diamond at this point and, and things like that. It's tough to try and condense everything and appease everybody in 13 minutes, but he was able to do the best that he can. And I actually think that he would have been better off, in my opinion, just doing everything by himself and not even using features because he's that iconic yeah. of an artist. But um, I think it was the best, certainly in the last 10 years that we've seen. Um, you know, and there's been some good ones on there. You know, I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, but I actually think her performance is up there. Yeah, I think she had a great performance. Of course, Beyonce had an iconic performance as well. Um, you know, Bruno Mars had a great let's, performance. Let's give love to Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars had a great performance. He's a, he's a hell of a performer. But I think him and Usher are two of the better, younger living performers that we have right now. Is it my goal performance? It's not. I remember Michael. Michael Jackson is unreal. I think Prince was the best of all Prince. time. Ironically, Prince was the one where the Bears lost the Super Bowl. But anytime that it rains while you're singing Purple Rain, <laughs> and back then he was actually literally playing the guitar during that, I don't think anybody will ever be able to top Prince in the history of the Super Bowl. But I appreciate Usher for everything that he did. And I'm, I'm glad he's getting his flowers right now, most importantly, too, because he he's very well-deserving. He dropped the album last Friday. The album was very good. I enjoyed it. He's going now on a worldwide tour. Tour sold out in like five minutes. He literally had to add six more dates to his tour over the weekend just to try and appease everybody. So shout mm -hmm. out to him. He did an amazing job. I thought Vegas uh, from afar, it looked like they did a great job as a host uh, you know, for the Super Bowl. So much so, it, it has me thinking, why, does, why don't they just host it every year? I know they like to bounce this thing around to different cities and different venues, but literally Vegas is the perfect home for a Super Bowl. They've got the infrastructure. They've got the hotels. They've got the the the, the restaurants and the nightlife, and it's easy to get in and out of there, and the stadium is absolutely beautiful. Aside from that turf, they got to fix that turf. Um, but other than that, it's beautiful. But, you know, New Orleans has next year. New Orleans is on par as, as you and I have, have been there together. Um, you know, it, it's it's on par as as a great city to host the Super Bowl as well. And now we start thinking about who's going to be able to host that or do that Super Bowl next year. Um, right now, I, I guess Taylor Swift would be Taylor Swift would be the favorite at like minus eight hundred, and Cash Money, my favorite, would be the long shot. Oh, Cash Money! All right, we'll have uh, <laughs> we'll have. Uh... Uh, Manny Fresh and Juvenile and Trombone Shorty out there. We'll have uh, we'll yeah, Wayne. Lil Wayne can bring out his, his Young Money crew of Drake and Nicki Minaj. But yeah, I, I would say uh, I would say I would say uh, Taylor Swift if she wants it. And I don't, I don't even think she wants it because it doesn't it, it doesn't bring her up. It doesn't give her any value. She's already on her third world tour in the last two years. That's not what she needs more than anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dark Horse. I, I wouldn't sleep on Missy Elliott either. I think Missy Elliott is due for a uh, for a Super Bowl performance as well. Little Missy, uh, as Cliff pointed out in the comments, it is worth so much money to these cities that can host it. Obviously, you know we we are uh, you are here in Green Bay. You can't fucking host it because no. uh, where where would we put such a thing? Yeah, um, you know you look at like the the Browns right now. They're trying to build a dome and find out how to pay for it so they could potentially host a Super Bowl in the near future, yeah. something like that. You gotta, gotta have that dome. Heard they're trying to pay it, pay it off with weed. With weed? Lay off the weed! <laughs> uh, I mean, there's been worse ideas. It is just ungodly expensive to build these dome stadiums. And, uh -huh. you know, it sucks for Cleveland. Like, I, I went there this past year. It's a great stadium and a great location. And, and you... You like that if you do the dome, it's like I was reading up on Minnesota's new stadium. It's just that much more expensive to retract the roof and you get that, but you don't get the same feel as an open air design stadium where, you know, you look at, uh, you know, the, the California ones and what they're able to do because they have such nice weather uh, all year round. Uh, it's, it's tough, uh, but, but you certainly wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl in, in a blizzard, which is the, the chance you take in the fucking Midwest or one of these non, uh, 
non-West Coast uh, yeah. states for sure. Although with with climate change, I, I don't know if people believe in it or not, but it literally oh, no. it's been forty five degrees in Chicago for the last. Oh, that's right. that's right. <laughs> yeah, you can't deny that shit. It, the globe is warming. We don't have a we did we haven't had a winter this whole entire season in Chicago, which is just absolutely. I'm not complaining. Maybe I'll complain in ten years from now when things are falling apart, but we don't have winners anymore. So maybe that's you can. Right in the next couple of years, start bringing these Super Bowls to, to cold weather cities. But I'm with you. I think at the very least, like, if you're going to do Super Bowls in some of these cities, have it in the city. Like, I I, I agree with what Cleveland's trying to do to try to build a dome on the lake. I yeah. agree with what Minnesota did. Um, you know, Chicago might be pivoting from Arlington Heights. We'll talk about that, obviously, to back to the city. Don't do – don't have a Super Bowl in New York and then have it be in New Jersey and, and, and have it be a pain yeah. in the ass to get to and stuff like that. So sure. I think that's the things that I push back against. Uh, even in Arizona, for as nice as Arizona is, Glendale, not very close to uh, Scottsdale and Phoenix. It's still about an hour, hour and a half drive. As you talked talked about, it it just makes so much more sense when you have that infrastructure, if it's a SoFi or if it's, uh, you know, Vegas is just it's so close to the airport. There's there's mm -hmm. You know, it's readily it's central. Uh, whereas if it was, you know, in, in Jersey versus New York, it would be a pain in the ass to get to. I've heard just horror stories getting to that's Yeah, that's I've never heard a good review about, about getting there. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Mitch Reed, which read out here, and we don't get Cliff started on climate change. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll move on from that. You can log up. Yeah. We, we got a lot of we got a lot of Bears news over the last couple of weeks too. We I do. mean, you know, first first of all, shout out to Devin Hester who made the yes, Hall of Fame, sir. right? It's the first Mongo. team returners. The shout out to Steve McMichael who made the Hall of Fame as well. Mongo, prayers to him right now. As I read uh, before we started the show, Jared Payton's tweet saying that. He's going to the emergency room this evening um, oh, with a no. bout of pneumonia right now. So prayers to him. We hope that he's able to extend or go forward until April. I mean, until, excuse me, until August where he's uh, officially inducted into the Hall of Fame. But either way, credit to him for um, for making the Hall of Fame an outstanding career and for holding on to doing this. And listen, I know Julius Peppers is going in as a Panther. But he had a lot of amazing years as a Chicago Bear as well. So shout out to Julius Peppers, one of my favorite Bears of all time. He's my he's certainly my favorite Bears free agent signing of all time. And I'll never forget the story of Lovey Smith literally like ringing that. his doorbell at twelve oh one a.m. saying, "Let's go, <laughs> we're we're on the way to Chicago. You know, we're we're taking you with." So credit to all those guys. An outstanding Hall of Fame class. Patrick Willis got in. Speaking of the 49ers, another outstanding middle linebacker as well. So. Uh, credit to them, and then obviously we 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 lost two active Bears today as they move on. Uh, Cody Whitehair has been released, and Eddie Jackson as well as the Bears free up about twenty two million dollars in cap space with those moves. It makes a lot of sense with those vets are concerned. Offensive lineman Cody Whitehair, and of course Eddie Jackson, who never should have changed his number from thirty nine. It was all downhill from there. It's mm -hmm. number four man, and didn't really. Uh, once he got the bag, he just wasn't the same guy. I mean, you know, mostly solid, I suppose you could say, but just never as as great as the, that early on uh, the Matt Nagy years. But uh, it makes a lot of sense, obviously, moving on from them. Uh, you wonder who's going to slide in there in the interior offensive line, and then it's a big hole at safety. Uh, you know, playing a, a, with with Jaquan Brisker and company, and and uh, Jalen Johnson. Hopefully, get a long term deal done for him. Um, you know, we've alluded to it as well. And, uh, yeah, prayers up to, to Mongo is he's been battling just all the complications of ALS, but it was nice to see, um, he was able to, you know, just kind of be a little bit lucid for that moment where, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he, they let him know that he is in the hall of fame and Devin Hester, man, obviously the first special teamer to go into the hall of fame, just well-deserved what an incredible career. And Pepper is one of the best athletes we've ever seen. Uh, in you know in in the NFL, obviously played a lot of college ball at North Carolina, but man, he was so much fun to watch in those uh, in those years in a Bears uniform and and what a it's kind of at his peak, right? And just able to uh, even before Khalil Mack, you just saw what a dynamic playmaker he was at defensive end. Just could play all over the field. Uh, so yeah, well deserved for those three guys and the Bears. Obviously, you know, leading the. Uh, league as far as franchises with most 
uh, Hall of Fame players for good reason. Three very deserving players there. And we alluded to it, uh, you know, the Bears pivoting from Arlington Heights, you know, looking at the South lot, looking anywhere at this point. And uh, the lot would be probably the most expensive, costly, crazy option at this point. Uh, or, you know, looking across the way just west uh, over to the 78, which is, you know, becoming uh, a huge development on all that vacant land right now, uh, thanks to uh, the local developer-related Midwest. And so uh, the White Sox, not not into the guaranteed rate, not into the G-spot, Ross, RIP the G-spot perhaps at some point, um, but perhaps moving to that prime real estate there, which would be pretty cool on the riverfront right there. And then you'd uh, obviously have, you know, mixed-use things around uh, that area of mixed use buildings and businesses and probably a sports book and all that shit. And then be able to look at the skyline. Uh, I, you know, I doubt both are happening, but it seems like it's kind of gaining some momentum as far as the sock talk, the drawings were very cool. I, and I know they're just drawings like the same thing with Arlington Heights and the specs for that, but, uh, but it gives you a little idea, but it's just crazy to, to think of them abandoning that South side home that they uh, have had for so long. Yeah. And, you know, they've, you know, I, as somebody that's been going to see baseball games there since it was old Comiskey Park across the street, and I went to probably my first White Sox game since I was, when I was like six years old, you know, I'm 42 years old at this point. Um, they, that they've run their course there. Um, you know, I, I love going there. It was very easy and very accessible to get there. But if you've gone to a baseball game there, you know, there's not much in the area and there's not much in the area because, um, you know, in the neighborhood's defense, they try to really control what would go up and what would go around that area. But at this point in time, you have to realize that sporting events in person are as much as the experience around it as the event itself, especially nowadays where people have 4K TVs and they can have betting apps and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you know, we're at the point right now as somebody who lives right across the street from the 78. Um, so the White Sox would be my new home. It, I actually think it's going to happen. It, it, it looks like this is going to go through. It looks like they're they're going to pull the trigger on this. They're going to get a lot of private dollars to help them fund this stadium. The developers, as you alluded to, behind the 78 are, are really motivated to get this done. And we know a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf loves using somebody else's money <laughs> to be able to get something done. And so it, it sounds like that's going to happen. And this has very big ripple effect on Chicago Bears as well. There's a deadline now set for this Saturday to negotiate with the um, with the school board districts there to try and meet in the middle on this tax situation in Arlington Heights. They are still $100 million apart. And if you know how the Bears operate in terms of cash flow situation, this is mostly a mom and pop situation. It's a family owned business. They don't have, they're not owned by hedge fund managers and, and, and billionaires with, with outside uh, you know money and stuff like that. I guess quite frankly, I don't think the Bears are going to be able to get Arlington done. I, I don't think they seem entirely motivated at this point. Sorry. I think Kevin Warren has 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 dropped multiple hints over the last month and a half uh, about how he loves Chicago and things like that. And when you start to look at the 78, which is over here, it's about a block away from me right now, and then Soldier Field, what would be the new Soldier Field, which is about four blocks away from me, then you start looking how the two situations can help each other because now you're separated. You got two premier stadiums in the entire United States, sporting facilities that are about six blocks away from each other. And now all of a sudden the two can come together and help to build the infrastructure and everything that's needed. And they actually help each other. It's very similar to if you've ever been to Philadelphia, they got the same situation. If you've ever been to Pittsburgh, they got the same situation as well. There are cities all over the country now Denver, I think of the, as the same situation as well, where these stadiums are being put next to each other, and then they use the city as the infrastructure for the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, and things of that nature. And then all of a sudden, you can have a baseball game here one night, and then you can have Beyonce here at one night, and then you know you just have it all kind of flowing together. So I, I think while you know, you know it, it was leaning towards the Bears going out to the suburbs. I just don't think they can afford that. I don't think the school board district is going to budge, nor do I think they should budge because the Bears will just flip that property to somebody else that'll put single-family single homes on there and Whole Foods, and they'll be able to pay for that tax, no problem, right? You know, I, there have been multiple studies that show you that building a stadium in these neighborhoods 
do not have the economic effect that people think that it has. In fact, it is the exact opposite. It has a worse effect on these neighborhoods, mostly because their taxes go up, but they don't see their economy rise to 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 be able to uh, you know obtain it. So um, I think we're gonna find out soon enough. But in my opinion, uh, we're trending to the fact that both the White Sox and the Bears will be very uh, will be neighbors soon, and uh, I'll be about right in the middle of it all six blocks from from all of it right in the middle of that and then god forbid the bulls ever do anything quite the stretch just from the lakefront going west that you could you could hit each uh major sport in chicago and it sounds cool that i I love the idea of you know they've already put it out there you know if the white Sox leave guarantee rate doesn't go in vain they just move the chicago fire right there and i think that's a great location for them too you know i I think that's a really cool location they'd have their own location that isn't soldier field i think uh guarantee rate steel guarantee rate field is still uh, a really cool ballpark and a really cool field and it'd be cool to see, you know, fire games there. You'll who never knows down the line, you might get a killing in Mbappe or something like that, that you can recruit to Chicago. Like Messi was recruited to Miami. So I think Chicago sports is is going to be, I know it's, it seems like it's a, on a downturn right now, but I think we'll, we'll eventually get back to better days in the city. And um, I, I put an emphasis on the city, you know, all these teams have the, the word Chicago in front of their names. And I think more and more, as we start to go forward, everybody wants to kind of be in that central location and, and, and be able to navigate through all that and, and just go to these different stadiums uh, within the city. Yeah, you're exactly right. McFact was pointing out in the comments. He said the Bears don't don't deserve until they start winning. They don't deserve a new stadium. It's not about them so much as this the city and what you think about beyond the Bears, what goes on in the off seasons, too, especially for these, uh, you know, the other a structure mentioned with guaranteed sure. rate where it, it's it's an entertainment it's one of the best entertainment capitals in the world right so we always constantly have something whether it be the chicago fire or rugby or some international right. soccer tournament or god knows what coming through yeah and the bears are still valued at, at top five in, in the nfl right now is, is one of the you know one of the highest valued uh franchises Chicago is certainly one of the um, premier destinations for another team's fan base to come to, which drives uh, more revenue for the Bears, also drives revenue for uh, the city as an economy. And you hit it on the head. You know, Taylor Swift is going to keep touring, and so is Beyonce, and so is Drake, and so is Pearl Jam, and so is the Rolling Stones, and so are all these people. And they kind of want to do it in a really cool, badass stadium right off the lakefront. It's smack, down, smack dab downtown in Chicago. Yes, sir. Let's uh, move on to some quick hits, Ross, as uh, we're wrapping up the show. Uh, The NBA All-Star weekend is upon us uh, Mm -hmm. halfway through the the basketball season. I got to get into it now. Finally, I can start uh, investing some time in the NBA games. I mean, really, you you can miss me with the skills competition. The three-point shootout's kind of fun, uh, Mm -hmm. obviously, but it's really about the dunk contest, of course, even though there's no not a ton of star power these days, although Jalen Brown is entering it, which should be a, a, a little interesting. Jaime Wachez Jr. from the Heat. I uh, didn't know he existed until they announced these. Uh, oh, he's good. He's fun. That's fun good. Player. He's a fun player. Uh, Jacob Top- Toppin from the Knicks. And I love yeah. that Mac McClung. Obi's brother. Yeah, Moby Toppin's brother. Uh, I love that Mac McClung is, you know, not great enough to to get in, into the yeah. back into the NBA, but he's with the – uh, the uh, o- Osceola Magic yeah. <laughs> from the G League, but he's defending his title. Yeah. Uh, he was electric last year. I don't know what he has to do to repeat, but uh, but that should be very entertaining, man. It should be. I, I love that finally we get at least one all-star, right, in, in, in the dunk contest in Jalen Brown. Yeah. So I, I think that's something that we've been uh, asking for for a long time. And, you know, if, if you know, you're, I'm old enough to remember Jordan versus Dominique, and Vince Carter and Dwight Howard and, and, and some all-star players go out there and try and, you know, you know, win this award. So, um, you know, I'm still going to watch on Saturday. Um, I, I know it's not as exciting as it used to be, but, you know, don't don't sleep on this dunk contest. I think the four guys are going to be in this is, are going to be fun. McClung is an awesome dunker. We saw what he did last year. It's crazy. Jacob, Jacob Toppin is the brother of a guy that literally won the dunk t- contest already. Uh, the Topham family, they got hops. They 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 can really get up. 
Jaime Hawkins Jr. is one of the most exciting rookies that we've had uh, this year. I, I've had a blast watching him. He fits right in with that heat culture. And then the aforementioned Jalen Brown. Anytime you put an all-star out there, it just changes the, the the mood and the feeling of this a little bit. So uh, I'm excited for the dunk contest. Always love the three-point contest as well. Um, my guy, former Bull Laurie Markinen, is in it. Anytime Laurie, anytime Laurie, anytime Laurie's in it, I'm always going to root for him to win. I, I still have a soft spot for him, but um, yeah. you know, Carl Anthony Towns was the guy that won last year. He's out there to defend his title again. Big man. Uh, yep, absolutely. Don't sleep on the hometown favorite, Tyrese Halliburton, who is. Uh, turning himself into one of the 10 to 12 best players in the league right now. He's gets about sure. 14, yeah. 15 assists a night and 30 points a night. It feels like we get the, uh, the old uh, East versus West format. Now uh, we're back into that. I believe in this all-star uh, yep. game, although not many which, people will be watching the all-star game. It's a dunk contest of, it's yeah. of its own. Did you see though, they're doing this thing in the end of this year where they're sending the whole floor for the game. is like an led floor. So yep. they're like putting lights on there and they're doing like highlights on the floor after a player does something. That's gonna be pretty trippy to see. It's nuts. I hope it's, it's the future. It'd be great. It would be great if it distracted the players to a point where they just <laughs> uh, take it out of the game. Right. Uh, but it's it's wild in our virtual reality world that we can see such things. The future's wild. Mm-hmm. That's for damn sure. Uh on to music, Ross. By the way, better use of the beat from uh the same beat, I should say. Yeah, or freak a leak. I saw that 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 um, which which came to light. In case those folks don't right. know, they they have this that sort of same drum beat, and then Little John was explaining it. Uh, I forget before Little John who who brought it out. It was uh, I saw like uh, Rosenberg, one of the, Peter Rosenberg, one of these radio personalities bringing it out. But Little John explained how uh, you know Peter Pablo had that beat first, and then right. they had to to use it after the Adjust fact. It. Yep, the same. Same drum, same snare, same kind of beat. I can't hear Freak Leak now and not think of PD Pablo. So I, I heard the Yeah version attached to Freak Leak, and it just didn't sound. I, I think I think it was a win-win for everybody because I do think that Yeah beat is undefeated. I think the way it starts, it's like an instant like, whoa, you, you know that song immediately. What is that? Oh, apologies. I'm getting notifications. My battery's low. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a, you have to wrap up your show. Um, on the music tip, though, we got Vultures One from the controversial Yay and Tide Dollar Sign. And there's there's three more of these fucking albums, man. I'm I'm pretty all for it. Uh, I mean, stay canceled or whatever. I'm still listening to his music. I only listen once so far, but I, I just always a fan of his production. It, it, solid features. It's not going to be Life of Pablo or Graduation or, or any of these older Kanye projects, but the beats were on point. And, you know, he always has the usual heavy hitters like JPEG Mafia or No ID helping out. I uh, threw in a ton of great samples, you know, for everything. Can it, be all, can it all be so simple for a minute to, to back that ass up? Hopefully Juvenile got a taste from from that. Uh, the Donna, Donna Summer song got removed because the estate didn't approve. Uh, but but pretty solid overall. I don't know if you listened to it yet, Rob. I listened. I gave it one skim through. You know, I think Kanye has evolved at this point to um, being a composer and a conductor of music, and it's less about the lyrics for him in particular. I, you know, I, I think it was one of his worst lyrical albums. Oh, but yeah. the music itself oh, sounds incredible. So I, I will listen to it again this weekend. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of music that came out last week. I was, I was spending a lot of time listening to the Usher uh, album as well, which was I, I thought was good. Um, Beyonce is going country now, so hey. she dropped she dropped Texas Hold'em and uh, Sixteen Carriages, which I actually quite liked. I, I listen, Beyonce wants to sing country music. I listen to it. So yeah, we had we had a lot of new music come out over the weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, you into X Men ninety seven. Because if you remember the 1997 cartoon left off with a cliffhanger that they never came back to, which was they started the the Phoenix saga. If you know about your comics and X-Men, Jean Grey transforms into the Phoenix, um, but they left it right there. They left it like mid saga. So I'm excited for them to bring it back, finish the job. We got to know what happens with the whole G, uh, Jean Grey like Phoenix situation. Years. Right, not like we haven't had seven movies in between them, but 
you know, they, they stay pretty consistent with the comic books and stuff like that. So I'm excited. A little bit of a taster until they start to figure out what this X-Men cast is going to be. They announced the Fantastic Four cast this week. Ooh, uh, yes. I like it. Yes. So Marvel's starting to kind of creep back in. We saw a Deadpool Wolverine trailer during Super Bowl as well, right? I was going to pivot to that. You know, of the that was a big trailer, obviously. We had... Uh, what was it wicked that let it off kingdom of the planet of the apes yep. and then the twister reboot that no yep. one wanted i didn't twisters. fucking sign up for this twisters with an s. uh any of those piquing your interest i'm all into i love the planet of the apes like the new revamp version i'm i'm very into that yeah you know my big thing though all those trailers are just so heavy on the cgi so awesome. heavy on the cgi oh my god it drives me nuts so i i you know I'm at the point right now, I'm starting to get to be old, crusty man. Give me like the old, just like original story movies. I'm kind of done with franchises right now. I think it might take a franchise mm -hmm. break from this year. I am going to go see Dune 2 in a couple weeks. I will go see Dune 2. Um, but outside of that, I might take a franchise break for a little bit. I'm not, I don't care about your Kung Fu Panda 4. I'm not going to go see Madam Web tomorrow uh, or any of these, these franchise movies coming out. Give me new <laughs> original content. Speaking of, I'm going to get off this uh, when we're done. I'm going to watch the first episode of the Vince Staples show on Netflix. Hey, I was yeah, I was going to segue into that as well. I'm very into the uh, Vince Staples show. Vince Staples, hilarious. Uh, it should be should be very entertaining. Uh, you know, I'm with you. With the, there was a lot of Marvel fatigue for a while, so it'll be interesting what they do with X-Men 97. But uh, And as much as, you know, there's a ton of CGI, just, just something about being a, seeing something like Planet of the Apes on a big screen, that that is going to be uh very entertaining and loud uh you know maybe maybe have some libations or, or an edible something like that to enjoy it further the vince staples show and then we're getting the end of true detective this this yep. sunday upcoming so yep. gotta gotta occupy yourself while we are out of football season officially what a bummer yes. but we press on ross we press we're on out absolutely we're out of time. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks to McFact and Cliff for chiming in and having their uh, conversation throughout the show. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the real Evan Mack and uh, Ross at Ross Reed. Missed any of the episode? It'll be up on YouTube after this, on Spotify, iTunes for the audio-only versions. Like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Have a good uh, long weekend. Hopefully, you're able to enjoy yourself uh, on this President's Day Weekend. Oh, and Ross, a happy belated Valentine's Day to you, my, my podcast soulmate, Ross Reed. You're the peanut butter to my jelly, the sweet to my sour, the <laughs> ebony to my ivory. I uh, hope you and the wife, you know, celebrated uh, appropriately. Not at all, like me and the, the wife did, basically. <laughs> Netflix and chill and shit, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Happy, happy Valentine's Day. The girls have their Valentine's Day. We can have our Valentine's Day. A Valentine's Day. Yes. For now, we say deuces, everybody. Be good to each other out there. So long. Peace.